Hello, and welcome to Aging Well, Finding Beauty in the Gray. I'm your host, Hugh Willard. Aging Well is a podcast for everyone in or approaching the retirement years. There's a lot to unpack here apart from the financial planning component, and we'll do just that. We'll explore new interests, priorities, and goals, and finding purpose for ourselves and in our relationships. Join me each episode as I share stories and chat with guests learning to live their best next act lives. I'd like to start our first episode today by introducing you to Bill Carson. I had the pleasure of meeting Bill over 20 years ago. My first impression of him was as someone who was really comfortable in his skin. He was, uh, he seemed to be at peace, very relaxed, had this avuncular feel to him. The way I met him was in the back of a trailer being pulled by a John Deere tractor, good old fashioned hayride. This was at the orchard at Alta Pass, which is an apple orchard in the mountains, uh, the Blue Ridge Mountains of North Carolina. And I, I use the term met him loosely. Uh, it's not like we had a conversation. He was sitting at the head of the trailer in the back, sitting sort of elevated, and the rest of us passengers were just sitting along the sides uh, lower down. He was sharing stories. He was telling stories about the local lore up in the mountains. He had some some wonderful and, and funny stories and accounts of, of different events that happened pretty much over uh, several hundred years up in the mountains. And he was, again, he just was in his element. And I, I was taken by this. I was impressed by this. Over the years, I made numerous trips back to the orchard at Alta Pass. And each time I would see Bill and his wife Evelyn, and they would be mingling in the general store where they sold apples and ice cream and fudge and different um, souvenirs and knickknacks and whatnot from, from the from the local area. Eventually, they added music with a little stage, and it, uh, it the rest is history. The Orchard at Alta Pass, and I'll say a little bit more about that in a few moments. Um, became and remains a, a real treasure, a regional and maybe even beyond that treasure for the mountains of North Carolina. I didn't actually sit down and have a, a more in-depth conversation with Bill until just a few years ago when I was beginning to write my book um, that I'm going to also talk about here shortly. And Bill was very gracious in agreeing to sit down and talk with me and share with me some of his story. I learned at that time that Bill, who hails from Indiana, he, at a very early age, was able to watch the Sputnik space launch with his dad, and that set his course for him. He became completely enamored with all things space. He eventually went to Purdue University and got an engineering degree there and came out and began working for IBM. And for the duration of his career, he worked 32 years at IBM. All of that was involved with NASA, was involved with all of the Apollo missions, 
a little bit later on some of the Patriot missile um, projects. So he was he was a, a busy man. He was certainly um, in his element with his work and loved his work. But after 32 years, he retired in 1993 at age 54. A few years before he retired, he and Evelyn made a trip out to Durango, Colorado, and they got a cabin there, and they began to set a course for what life would be like after they retired. Uh, They loved the area. They began baking cookies and sharing those with the tourists who were at the Silverton uh, train depot. So that was an initial foray into considering what life might be like after they retire. That didn't uh, have staying power for them, so they made their way back to North Carolina, where actually they were they had been for a number of years. And uh, at that time, Bill bought a loom, a weaving loom, and got into learning more about the craft of weaving. He tells a funny story about how he spent a good bit of time on a particular uh, rug. He considered that he spent about 60 hours putting, you know, weaving this, this particular rug and he took it to a craft fair in the mountains and he wasn't sure what the price point should be. And he thought about it and he said, Oh, okay, $10 an hour, 60 hours. So $600. He was aware when he was at this craft fair that many folks would walk past and might give a, a you know an admiring look at the particular rug that he had uh, woven, and but would just continue on. Finally, um, a little old lady approached and she mistook the price when she when she was looking at the piece and she saw, thought it was sixty dollars and her comment was sixty dollars that's too much. At that point, and Bill laughed when he told me the story, he said at that point he realized that he was weaving for himself. So a little bit later, through serendipity or possibly um, divine intervention, Bill and Evelyn, along with his sister, came into an opportunity to buy this apple orchard right on the Blue Ridge Parkway, which was in uh, a a fair degree of disrepair. And they took it upon themselves to nurture this apple orchard back to a state of health and and vibrancy. And from there, continued to build what has become, as I said a few moments ago, a real icon along the Blue Ridge Parkway, where many, many people come, tourists come every year to to enjoy just the 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 ambiance the 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 camaraderie the the friendliness all that that is a part of the the mountain experience bill has many stories about the mountains yeah i'll tell one more he when they brought in the music um bill talked about what a terrible dancer he was and uh how he took uh, dance lessons three separate occasions and finally the dance instructor fired him Uh, but he was persistent and he stayed after it and He tells this one story of a particular time where there was a young lady um, who sort of was within herself and and not really interacting much. And he convinced her to go out and dance with him. And afterwards, he saw the young lady's parents and they had tears in their eyes. And when he approached them, 
they told him that she was autistic and that she had never done anything like that before. And it really touched them. It really moved them. And the, he told me that he learned later that she went on to be a dance instructor at an annual camp for folks with autism. So many stories that Bill shared. And I just loved sitting with him and, and taking a lot of these in. What I like about Bill's story is that he took time and intention along with Evelyn to really consider what his next steps were for after he retired. He was a busy man in his career and it was not going to go well for him to just to hang up his pen and paper and eventually his his computer, turn off his computer and just be left to the whims of whatever may come day by day. He needed a purpose. He needed um, a vision and a passion. And he was very deliberate about planning this. And th thus the, the few different, and we can say failed attempts, but we're gonna say that failed with an asterisk next to it, or maybe we would use a lowercase f rather than a uppercase f. These were merely uh, efforts along the way for him to find where his next passion and where his his next chapter was going to be um, engaged so and that was the apple orchard and he certainly wouldn't have been able to consider that a few years before that it before it came to pass but once it happened he he certainly embraced it with with passion and gusto and he has he it moved him to the place where I met him some years after they began the apple orchard and here's a man that my impression was he's very comfortable in his skin, as I mentioned before. So that I think that's what we all want for ourselves as we move into further into the third age, um, that time of our life where we're through much of our career. For some folks, of course, they have to continue to work. But for many of us, there are changes in family obligations, and uh, certainly vocational involvement and we move into this space and and what do we do in this space how do we uh, consider how we're going to spend our time for many folks they struggle with that and i'm going to talk about that in just a few minutes um, and out of my experience and being present with people who have struggled with these changes these transitions in life i was moved to write a book and I'm going to tell you about that as well and out of that process of writing the book it's evolved for me to begin this podcast and I'm never would have considered that I would be doing a podcast but here I am and I'm excited about it and I'm glad that you're um, joining in and I hope that you will find this to be helpful for you or for some of your loved ones and that you will get some um, helpful ideas or find some, uh, maybe get some inspiration from real people's stories, everyday people's stories about how they come to and move through different challenges and experiences and joyful experiences, joyful events that uh, are a part of the, the third age time for them. Let me define the term third age. So third age is actually, it comes from the French, but it was picked up by a British historian in the 80s. His name was Peter Laslett. And he defined that as the time of life when, as I was referencing a few moments ago, time of life when 
a person may be coming to the end of uh, career pursuits, vocational engagement, and family obligations are shifting. Children are growing up and out and are gone. And so they come into this time where they still are in, they still enjoy relative good health and capacity to engage life, but they now need to find that new application. They now need to find the new way that they're going to engage that. So that's considered the third age, and it's a time that needs more attention. Many of the resources, as I've been researching and studying the third age, many, many of the resources are pretty narrowly focused on the financial aspects of the retirement years, that we call it that. And, and, and that's certainly understandable. We need that sense of security as, as much as we can pursue and, and um, foster that. That being said, money ultimately is only a tool and we know it's not going to carry us far enough. We have to, we need to engage more about our sense of selves, our identity, our purposes, what matters to us, our relationships. And I also like to include creativity as a really important engine for how we would best go about having a a joyful and just vibrant time of life that, that comes in the third age. So let me take a few minutes and tell you more about my backstory and how that's brought me more into the focus of writing the book that I did as well as this podcast. I have been a psychotherapist across a number of settings and over the last over 20 years now that has been in private practice and in my time in private practice over the years I began seeing an increasing number of folks who were in the third age who were struggling whether that would be with their relationships whether that would be with unresolved historical pieces for themselves or just directly the challenge of how to craft a life after being so uh, so heavily engaged and focused within career and family pursuits. And they were struggling. So that propelled me to explore more, research more, research more, understand more about this time. It also moved me to go and engage with some wonderful folks at North Carolina State University. The Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, we call that OLLI for short. The Osher Lifelong Learning Institute is um, one of the branches is at state. They have uh, one around 125 of these different um, programs, OLLI programs at different uh, universities and colleges all over the country. So it's, it's really a wonderful resource for many people. But I'm working with the folks over at State. I did do a little bit down at the University of Georgia at Athens with the Ali folks there. But I put together a workshop that looks directly at exploring identity, meaning, relationships, and creativity in the third age. I've had a wonderful time providing and engaging with folks um, with these workshops over a number of years now at Ali. It's very rewarding for me, and I certainly uh, am appreciative that there are many folks who find a lot of value in these workshops. So all of that has really propelled me and, and sort of picked up the momentum for me to continue to explore how to help folks 
have a better experience in the third age. Let's get a little more specific with some of the research and some of the numbers that look at what happens when folks come into the third age time. There are a few different folks who have undertaken some of this research. Uh, Mintel Market Research, these folks, they um, did some surveying and found out that, and this was um, in 2015, 62% of folks retired with no discernible plans for how they were going to spend their time in retirement. Another study that was done through Boston College in 2019 showed that 37% of older workers retired earlier than they expected to. I'm not suggesting that this time of life is just this, um, you know, this, this, this terrible and ominous experience for folks, but that's concerning that a number of folks are not prepared for retirement and then a number of folks retire before they're expecting to. And so they're really thrust into a situation where they're having to build a plane while they're flying it. And that's a difficult thing to do. Uh, I'm not going to make a correlation with this, but I will just speak to another dynamic that we see increasing over the last couple of decades. And that is, it even has a term now, it's called gray divorce. And uh, that has exponentially risen over the past uh, 20 years to the point now where 25% of all divorces are for folks 50 years and older. And um, so that's certainly a concern. Uh, Particularly as we look at some of the other demographics, there's a slight decrease in the percentages of divorces uh, for for younger folks. So a number of reasons for that. Again, I'm not going to make a direct correlation. Nonetheless, something that needs to be um, looked at and considered as to what might be contributing to these things. On top of all of this, of course, we are still in this, we're in the midst of this really challenging and protracted time of a global pandemic. Lots going on that really is uh, straining and stressing on folks across a number of different uh, dynamics. So I'm sure the researchers are going to need a few more years to look at maybe cumulative effects of this time of pandemic, but we certainly can with the eye test, we can certainly consider that there's a lot going on with this. Um, AARP actually uh, has a phrase for, and this is pre-pandemic, they described a loneliness epidemic as an, as a function of uh, people's experience in retirement. And they again, this is pre-pandemic, but they, they came up with some statistics that pointed to 35% of seniors being designated as chronically lonely. And this is up from 20% a decade before. So that's a pretty alarming um, rise in that in a a very short period of time. There's another study in England that was done in 2019 where there were one in five individuals who had three or fewer contacts weekly uh, that is a dramatic number. I think that's, and, and my interest is not to be too uh, hyperbolic in my, my pro, in my conversation here. I do want to point out the, the things that we want to pay attention to and how we do, how we plan proactively to take care of ourselves and our relationships so that we don't find ourselves in these predicaments um, where we might have struggles. And we don't need to have these struggles. We could certainly have a better experience in our 
third age time. I'm going to throw out two words that I think are, are dominant concepts for the experience of the third age. The first one is time and the second one is loss. When we retire, when our obligations shift, we certainly can have an abundance, sometimes an overabundance, of time. We have time to pursue hobbies, we have time to travel, we have time to relax with friends, we have time to play with the grandchildren, to volunteer, wonderful opportunities, generative opportunities for us to engage our time. We have time to do nothing. We have time to just sit around. And that can feel glorious, particularly for folks who have really, really worked hard over many years with home and family and work. And to just the, the idea of I have no responsibility and I can do whatever I want, that can feel wonderful. It is a bit of um, similar to Odysseus's journey back home and him being seduced by the sirens, that idea of doing nothing, I think can offer a similar seduction and something that we certainly need to pay attention to. It's good to have fallow time to be able to rest, but it really matters that we find engagement. We find things that are purposeful and that are good for us um, in this next stage of life. So time, time is one that we really need to pay a lot of attention to. The other one, loss. Loss happens when we when we go through transitions. So we lose our sense of identity. We were an engineer. We were a school teacher. We were a homemaker. We were a number of things. We were a psychotherapist. So, and when we step away from that, that's a big psychological shift in terms of our who am I, our sense of ourselves. So. That's something that needs to be considered, certainly loss of friendships uh, where there might be moves or just in terms of limited exposure where we had more interaction with folks in a work environment and we move away from that. So those are, those are significant losses that we experience. And eventually we can talk about loss of capacity, loss of health, physical health. I certainly am already to the point where plenty of frustration for me where my balance isn't what it used to be. I know many of us recognize and resonate with that. Um, that's a frustrating thing. And, and even the senior moments of, and, and I, I'm going to take, uh, take umbrage at that term that I just used um, because it speaks to a way that we become doddering and forgetful. Um, we certainly can have some issues with memory, and that's a great frustration for us. But using the term senior moment, which I just did, I think is a mischaracterization of all of the capacity um, and the ways that we have a lot to offer for ourselves and our families and community that is that is still within our, our frame of acuity and, and, and just sharpness and sense of resource. So, But nonetheless, there are losses that happen for us, and these are things that we have to adjust to. These are things that we need to find the right tools and strategies that help us um, acclimate and be able to go forward in, in the best and the most constructive way that we can. So all that sets up me writing the book, Finding the Beauty in the Gray, and I'm super excited about that. And this, the book itself is a collection of many people's stories. It's very narrative and also includes a number of poems, and I'm going to close with a poem here in a few minutes. Uh, it's very narrative driven, and the podcast will follow suit. So 
after this initial session, I'm going to be having guests, many folks of different, uh, you know, different backgrounds, different, uh, just different histories, stories um, that many of us are going to relate to. I'm going to have them on and just have them share their story and, and consider how it has engaged, helped, and hindered in some respects their process and their time moving into and through the third age. I'm really excited about that. I'm, I'm ready to get started with this and glad that you're along for the journey and will uh, appreciate you continuing to be a part of what we do with this. We have our website, findingbeautyinthegray.com. I would love for you to go and check out more of the episodes. They will be uploaded as they are aired. We'll also have our social media links on the website with various resources and ways for you to reach out and share your thoughts with us. We'd love to hear from you. Again, the website is findingbeautyinthegray.com. If you are so inclined and would be interested in sharing your story, I would love to talk with you and you can reach out to me via the website or social media. Thank you for your time and your interest in this podcast. Uh, I'm grateful. I'm excited. I would like to close with a poem that I wrote uh, for my book, Finding Beauty in the Gray. And this is a poem that is entitled The Third Age. I want to learn how to skate. I find myself with an hour of free time, perhaps two. I could rest. No one should fault me if I did. Although there is a tottering mound of dishes cresting the lip of the sink. I have spent a lifetime of cooking and cleaning and eating. And now some of the crumbs are really baked into the plates. I found a pair of skates, wan and worn, burrowed in a bin at the thrift store. I spied the soft tan heel of the first under a chipped marble black bowling ball, the flat shine on the blade of the other jutting out from the embrace of a soiled raggedy Ann. I could take my hammer to the habitat house. No child should be without a home. Although the constant electric stabs at the base of my gnarled fingers remind me of many a driven nail and point to younger hands more suited for this. The skates I found are just my size. Sure, they could use some TLC, some caress and coconut oil, but they'll do just fine. I'm not trying to match the poise and elan of a pirouetting gold medalist. My beauty has its own pace and name. I could read the digital news feed, but what would I learn about the world that I don't already see and feel daily? There is much pain, and much love, too, warbling and intermingling like a morning chorus of songbirds folding around the wrench of the crow's call. I could meet my friends down at the park, an autumn woods walk breathing the wisps of smoke from the nearby homestead would be nice. Feeling myself meld into yellow maple leaves slows my heart and thickens my eyelids. But would I hear what my friends are saying? I want to feel the cool air moistening my eyes. The ribbed ice at the outdoor rink speaks of the coming winter. The glide and grace of blade and balance, finding the natural curves and sway as my skin tingles. 
You have been listening to Aging Well, Finding Beauty in the Gray. I am author, psychotherapist, and life coach Hugh Willard. To learn more about this podcast, listen to other episodes, and discover resources related to our guests and topics, please go to our website, findingbeautyinthegray.com. If you have comments or questions, or would be interested in sharing your story with us, we'd love to hear from you. Please reach out to us at findingbeautyinthegray.com. Aging Well is produced by Willow Way Creations with sound engineering by Garrison Locke. Theme music is written and performed by yours truly with Greg McGee and Garrison Locke. Thanks everyone for joining us. We hope you will be with us again next week.